P.S. You're Wrong, the podcast where you talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. We're back. We're talking about Toy Story 4, all the feels, so happy, <laughs> so sad. What Ooh. a movie. Pixar, they just know how to get you right in the gut every time. <laughs> every time? Every time? Yeah, you Cars 3. Oh my gosh. It just I was weeping <laughs> yeah, through really? that whole movie. Oh, mm-hmm. well, I'm glad they found an audience for that one. <laughs> I was worried. Um, but before we get into Toy Story, we try and do a trailer review to talk about what's coming soon. So this week we are getting to watch the final teaser for Stranger Things season three coming out. Oh my gosh, is that next week? No, 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 no. The 4th of July. Yeah, two weeks. Uh, But I think it is, yeah, like in our episode two weeks from now is on Stranger Things season Ah, three, which feels like I'm so excited for it. It feels like I've been waiting forever. Season two came out nine million years ago. (laughs) Approximately. Like, I I think it came out not this past Halloween, but the Halloween before, which is a long time for a TV series. Yeah. These always take so long. So I'm just glad. And I usually avoid trailers because I just think they overshare. But, you know, we we got to do it for the podcast. So here we are, you know. Well, and it's interesting that it's a trailer for a TV series because that's not usually a thing. I mean, you might like on regular TV, you would get a uh, trailer for like an episode, but not for like the whole season i don't know did you did this make you more excited about it less excited about it about the same were there things (laughs) in here that you were surprised by at all yeah so they've had a couple teaser trailers and one of them was just like about the like 80s vibe at the mall and it had a lot of the kids and um and i forgot his name steven steve harrington steve harrington uh, disgrace that was great really just wet the appetite for a little bit more of that buddy element this one was a lot more like oh bt dubs there's aliens so don't think you're getting away from that so there was a lot more dramatic staring and nosebleeds and um aliens and dramatic skylines so it definitely reminded me that oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. this is a creeptastic show there's a lot of you know, the upside down and weird creatures. So I'm excited. I think it did its job. Yeah, I'm excited too. I think the part of Stranger Things that I like the most is the relationships and the characters. And the sci-fi stuff is also cool, but kind of whatever. So I was much more excited by the early mall trailer just to like see a bunch of people hang out in an 80s mall for a couple of episodes (laughs) before the action really takes off is what I am excited about. But... I am also very excited about the Upside Down and is somebody still inhabiting Will Byers and Mm. is like the Demigorgon going to come and get people. But I'm also fully invested in like Steve's relationship with, um, oh, what's his face with the curly hair? I know, Dustin. I'm invested in like Will Levin and Mike. Like, is that going to be a relationship? Is it not? I am always fully invested in whatever Winona Ryder's doing. So more of that, please. (laughs) I'm I'm psyched. Yeah, it'll be a good time. And we'll get to go over the whole thing, which means I'll get to talk about it to my heart's content. And hopefully it won't be as bad as Game of Thrones. So 
I mean, the second season of Stranger Things was really good. So I am anticipating, and also they took a long freaking time to make this season. So I'm hoping that it's great. And I am excited to watch it and talk about it in two weeks. But before we can talk about that, we are going to talk about what we saw this week, which is Toy Story 4. The sequel no one saw coming. Yes. Yes. I was so do you let's talk about the franchise I guess a little bit the first one comes out in 1995 it's the first movie that Pixar does huge success people love Mm -hmm, it it's like mm -hmm. the beginning you know sort of a 3d animation it's very the visuals are very cool if you watch it now it looks very bad but (laughs) no it looks dated it doesn't look bad it just reminds you of how far we've come right they still did an amazing job it was the first animated feature animated entirely with a computer so big props to them yeah and it was a great the story was great that still holds up for me i love that movie it's one of my favorites toy story 2 comes out four years later in 1999 so i mean like a typical sequel fashion and is also a very good movie we get Jesse well, it introduced. was a whole lot of drama because did you do you know about this? Uh, maybe. And oh boy! So Disney, I don't know when this happened. Disney's and Pixar, they're like they have a relationship now, but they give Toy Story the sequel is going to be a direct to video, and it's planned, and they have their own team doing it that's separate from Pixar. But then Disney sees a little te- teaser of it, and they're like, "Oh, actually, I bet we could make this work in." A movie theater and make some money and so then pixar gets their hands on it and they're looking at it and they're like yes this is a great story but this animation is not up to snuff so we need to get this turned around and disney was like fine but you can't change the um release date so in november of 98 they were like we're gonna try to make this even better than it is right now for a theatrical release And they had to get it done by November 1999. And so there was a lot of drama because they like had to overwork their poor animators. Um, At one point, they accidentally deleted like a root file of the animation and lost like two years of work. But luckily, some woman had managed to she had just saved them to her computer to work from home. So they had a backup. But there was just like... Oh, it was just a it was an uphill battle to get Toy Story 2 out. And no one was sure it would do as well as the first one because they were like, oh, this one's not as like it, it's just like the sequel. So no one will be as like into it. But now it's it's considered one of the best Toy Stories still. So, yeah, almost didn't even happen. I know. And I and I love Toy Story 2. And it was and it felt sort of like a little bit of an anomaly because then after that, Pixar goes on to make a bunch of movies that don't have sequels in them at all or you know it's like they do the incredibles they do finding nemo they do monsters inc which all have sequels now but at the time they did not they were staying away from sequels so it felt like toy story 2 was something that was like very unique and special i think but then it's like a whole 10 years later and toy story 3 comes out and i remember when i heard that that was coming out and talking to people and the conversation was sort of like the first two are so good why would they make a third one this feels like a Mm -hmm. horrible idea there hasn't been a toy story movie in three or in 10 years pixar has had all of these other great movies that don't involve sequels you know at that point they were they had up they had ratatouille they had wally like all movies that had done very well and 
and they weren't wading back into like the let's dredge something up space. And so people were very skeptical, I think, of Toy Story 3 in the run up to that. Right. And it's all been echoed for this one as well. But Toy Story 3 was, I mean, it was 2010. It was way before franchise (laughs) fatigue. So I guess we look back now and think, oh, to have those concerns again, because now it's just par for the course. So, I mean, Toy Story 3 came out and it was a huge success. And I sort of think that Toy Story 3, which, yeah, like made a mass amount of money at the box office, went on to be an Oscar nominee for Best Picture, which doesn't happen Mm -hmm. very often for animated films, won obviously the Oscar for Best Animated Film. And I think that Pixar saw the success they had there and thought, hey, if we can come up with good stories for some of these other Pixar movies, (laughs) maybe we can make some sequels or prequels. And so then they move into this period where there's, you know, two more Cars movies, there's Finding Dory, there's Monsters University. Last year there was Incredibles 2. And so I think when they announced the Toy Story 4, which again, it's been about, it's been nine years since that came, since Toy Story 3 came out, people were more skeptical because there have been some (laughs) of these sequels that they've released that have felt a little bit forced and not as strong as the standalone movies are. Yeah. Well, plus they had insisted right after Toy Story 3 came out that they were not going to do a fourth. Like in 2010, the director said Pixar or the Lee Unkirk or something was like, yeah, we are not planning a fourth film. They denied it again in 2013. And then suddenly in 2014, they're like, oh yeah, we're doing Toy Story 4. So it just felt sort of like cash grabby it just felt like you guys said this was over we respected your decision like it felt like a perfect ending and now you're coming out with this like why but I mean and then it was plagued with a lot of drama behind the scenes so people were kind of hesitant to even have faith in it so I think the fact that it's done so well has been a pleasant surprise for everyone yeah well and a lot of the problem with the behind the scenes stuff regarding Toy Story 4 also has to do with the behind the scenes stuff of just Pixar in general, (laughs) where John Lasseter, who was one of the founding members of Pixar and sort of had like his hands in everything, directed the first couple Toy Story movies. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Was uh, stories came out that he was not a great person to work for and, you know, like was sexually harassing people and also was just kind of like an angry, mean boss And Mm -hmm. so he was kind of asked to leave Pixar, but then obviously he's because he is one of the founders of the company and is so tied up and everything was like sort of still um, involved. And at a certain point he was kind of like brought back and then got, and then there was a flare up of press (laughs) saying like, why would you bring this person back? So then he was dismissed, but it's like still, I think, you know, maybe like receiving phone calls from people or, you know, like (laughs) shadow handing the situation. So it definitely did leave sort of a stain on Pixar's image. We're coming into this. I think people were suspecting or they were unsure if this movie would live up to the other three Toy Story movies or if this was sort of like a weird Cars 3 cash grab by this guy <laughs> who, like, we don't like anymore. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, how how did it live up to your expectations? Um, 
I really liked it. It has a 98%, I think, on Rotten Tomatoes at the moment, uh-huh. which feels a little high to me. I I wasn't like rapturous about how great it was. They said that they didn't want to make another one unless they felt like they had another story to tell and it was important to tell. And I think mm-hmm. that there was a very interesting story here. There, It was different enough from the other movies, but it had enough themes that I really enjoyed watching it. And I'm, you know, glad that they made it versus didn't make it. But at the same time, and maybe this is also just because I'm like older, I'm an adult coming to this one where I was, uh, you know, a child for the first two and more of a teenager for the third one, that I just felt like there was a certain something that was maybe missing from it. But mm-hmm. I don't, but it wasn't that it was bad. It was just I didn't like it as much as right. the other ones, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Um, I I mean, I've always like like respected Toy Story. Like I've enjoyed it. It's never been like a favorite franchise for me. Like, I don't know. It just never clicked for me. But going into this movie, I was really not into it. I thought the trailers made it look really stupid. I thought Forky was like a really dumb angle to take. It seemed like it was going to be a hot mess of new characters so that they could have a new sequel spinoff or whatever. Um, So going in, I had very, very low expectations, but I will say like it was actually a good movie and like it was actually like an enjoyable movie. And I thought, oh, my gosh, the animation was so stunning. It was it was truly mind boggling how good it was. Like there were scenes where I thought it was real. Like I there's a scene in the beginning where they're in the rain and it just looked unbelievable. There's a scene at like a like a fairground and it looked real and it freaked me out like how legit it has gotten. But I left and I was just sort of like, why couldn't they have spent all that energy on a news story? Because to me, it felt like it hit a lot of the same themes as Toy Story 3, which is like about feeling lost and and having to let go and grow up and wondering like what your purpose is and like he's still what he's still reeling from like losing Andy and wondering about where he belongs now. And so it just sort of felt like I just wish... And I know this speaks to a larger issue I have with a lot of the franchises now, which is, and a lot of Disney, which because they own everything now, so they can remake everything now. It just feels sort of like, is there no creativity left? Like, obviously, the story was creative, but it took like eight writers, like four iterations of the storyline to find one that clicked enough. And it still just felt kind of like you said, like, it was just like, something was missing like it just didn't have the same spirit as other original Pixar movies did and so it just didn't really affect me as much as a lot of the reviewers felt like it did well let's get into the plot a little bit because we come off the third one where the gang is given by Andy to this new girl Bonnie who is a child and they're sort of like back in the bedroom like back uh, in the toy closet playing with the kid again and this movie starts with a flashback that I think is supposed to take place between Toy Story 2 and Toy Story 3, where the yeah. Bo Peep lamp that is in the first two movies gets like given away. And so mm-hmm. Bo Peep isn't in the third one. And then we move on to the current timeline where Woody is sort of feeling like aimless. Like he doesn't really have a reason to be a toy for this girl anymore. And and then we get into this kind of like road trip scenario that takes <laughs> us through most of the rest of the movie. And I think this is also where I started to get 
kind of muddled in the details because the first few movies exist in a very small world. And so you can kind of accept the rules of the universe of like these kids of these toys being sentient and being able to do this and then hiding when adults are around. And I was like, okay, cool. But here it was suddenly like, and I'm sure part of it is because like you said, we're adults now. So you're kind of looking at it with a different lens. But I just like started to question the parameters of this universe, especially with the introduction of Forky, which is a toy that Bonnie makes on her first day of preschool or kindergarten. And it's just like made of garbage. And everyone's surprised when he wakes up, when he when he gains a consciousness and he, when he is an active player. And so then I was sitting there the whole movie being like, well, are all items sentient? And it's just like, cause he knew he was garbage. He like craved garbage. Like that was a whole ongoing joke. Yes. And so I was like, when did he become conscious? Like who has the power to make a toy? Cause in toy story two, they go to the toy store and they're all like sentient. So it's not like you need to belong to a child to become alive. But then it was just sort of like, I don't know. It just made me question the universe in ways that the previous ones hadn't. Mm. And I think it's because the world got so much bigger. They added this Forky twist and then they go on this road trip where they discover this like land of lost toys, which is or how rather how lost toys survive, which is, you know, they're just kind of floating from place to place, hoping to get grabbed for a forever home. And so it just like widened the world by a lot. And I was just kind of left wondering I had a lot of questions. Let's just put it that way. I really wasn't hung up on any of that kind of (laughs) stuff. The thing that I feel like makes the first three movies so strong is that you have these characters in this main set of toys and they all have like very distinct points of views and emotions and specifically Woody and Buzz, I think are really characters that the audience can connect with. And it's fun to watch them interact with each other and then them interact with like this whole group of toys. And in all three of those stories, it's been really about like that band and the friendship in the first movie. It's like the rivalry between Buzz and Woody and the second movie. You sort of get that like maybe Woody is getting a little too big for his britches and Buzz is trying to like bring him back home. And then in the third one, you have this group of toys going together through this really harrowing situation of like, what do we do now that we don't belong to a child anymore? Uh And what I was a little confused about with this movie is that they took that key dynamic of all of those toys and their relationships and really like split them up and made it so there was so many different things going on that I felt like it was missing that like deep character note because you had Mm -hmm. Woody off with Bo Peep's people and they're like traveling post-apocalyptic like nomad toys. You had the set of toys that's in the antique store you had the set of toys that were at the carnival you had like the actual original set of toys from the first toy story movie who are like in this rv traveling with bonnie and her family so it it just felt like kind of disparate and i wanted Mm -hmm. more of like mr potato head interacting with ham interacting with buzz and instead what i got was like lots of new characters and how they Mm -hmm. interacted with like one of the old characters but not in a way that i felt like 
was that compelling and was just more kind of like, oh, yeah, this is nice and less of like, oh, I really care about this relationship. Yeah. And I think part of that comes from just the writing process, because originally the story was pitched as like a romantic comedy where it would be about Woody and Buzz deciding to find Bo Peep because Woody was in love. And and there's elements of that that survived, but ultimately through various iterations, they decided to scrap the rom-com nature and more make it the usual adventure tale. But you could kind of see how things were added, removed. It just felt like a little disjointed, especially like every time we went back to the RV with the original gang, I was like, oh, well, let's get back to the action because this is nothing's happening here because nothing was happening. They were just waiting for Woody and or Buzz to come back. So it was just sort of like it didn't feel as clean and succinct as the other Toy Stories had. And there were a lot of new characters, but it didn't feel like I was worried about it. Would I didn't feel like they were setting up for a new spinoff of the new characters it just felt like they were kind of there as the um, the comedic like undertone. And so you had a lot of new voices, but they weren't overwhelming for me. Yeah, I just the key element or virtue of this movie is is what do you do when you feel like it's your time to move on, but it's not but it's not like everybody else's time to move on. Like when you have to leave something because you feel like it's best for you to leave and that that situation of sort of like going out on your own, going alone and making that really hard choice to separate from like the familiar and from people that you know and people you love. Like what happens when you like move to a big city when you are from a small town, like that kind of dynamic. And that's sort of Mm -hmm. what Woody's going through. And I feel like that would have just been a little bit more poignant if it, if through the whole movie he had been with those characters that he's been with, who are his friends for so long, where in this, when he ends up making the decision to go with Bo at the end, instead of go getting back on the RV, for me, it didn't have as much weight because I was like, well, he spent the whole movie with Bo and he really hasn't spent much time with these other characters. And <laughs> I hadn't seen Toy Story 3 in 10 years. So like, I, it doesn't have that like resonance with me right. that I felt like it should have. Not that it was bad. I was just like, well, I think this could have maybe been better. Yeah. Yeah. And it was sort of interesting to try and pick out the themes of this one because... The other ones were very explicit almost in their in their thematic, you know, emotional tugs. But this one had this interesting storyline where in the antique shop, sort of the villain of the story is this old fashioned talkie talkie doll named Gabby Gabby. And she kind of runs the show with her little mannequin guys, which is actually another very impressive animation feat because they moved and looked as creepy as the real ones do. Yes. But her whole thing is she wants her voice box. She wants Woody's voice box because hers has been broken since she was created all those years ago. And she feels like that's holding her back from getting, getting her forever child. So what did you think of Gabby Gabby and that whole like villain but ultimately maybe more likable than you originally thought angle. I liked that storyline. I thought that was interesting of her like trying to get this piece and kind of being like a weird mad scientist character almost at the beginning. And then you realize that it's for, it's just because she's sad and Woody also realizes that. And so like sort of offers her his voice backs. 
I liked that plot line. I thought that that was uh, very sweet in the end. And I also uh-huh. like the switch of like, okay, this is the bad guy. Oh, no, wait. There's really like not a bad guy in this movie once yeah. you get to the end. <laughs> So I don't I that didn't that didn't bother me. I really I thought that was fun. Did it irk you in any way? No, I just it was interesting because I mean in Toy Story One you have like a very blanket evil child <laughs> and that's the villain. Yeah. Toy Story Two, again, it's kind of this just like dude who is just kind of he doesn't care about kids and is just protecting toys or whatever. Right. I honestly do not remember. Oh, Toy Story 3 has some weird bear, right? Like yeah, some mean the evil bear. <laughs> purple. Yeah. I don't remember his intentions or why he was so mad, but he seemed pretty pissed. So it was interesting that in today's age, you know, instead of picking sort of a one note villain, they kind of rounded it out to be like, oh, like, you know, you don't ever know the full story. Maybe empathy is the way to go. So I did appreciate that. And I just feel like in the end, there were so many different characters and like storylines and like lessons learned for each different character that it didn't like hit me in the feels the same way a lot of yes. Pixar movies do. Yes. Yeah. I was waiting for that moment that's like in Coco or in Toy Story 3 where you're just kind of like sucker punched by that emotion. Yeah. And it or like and, inside out. Yes. Oh my gosh. Ugh, inside out. Yeah. So good. And I was like wanted that and I wanted that cohesion. And at the end, I uh when that moment came that they're setting up to sort of like be that moment, I was like, Yes, this is upsetting, but it's also not that upsetting for me. Right. I think this leads into a question, though, of, okay, so at the end of this movie, Buzz and Woody split up, and Buzz stays with the rest of the toys from the Toy Story franchise and with the child, and Woody goes off sort of like on this nomad (laughs) quest with Bo, and they're just like hanging out at the carnival as it goes from town to town, like without a specific kid. Mm -hmm. Which, for me, when I watched it initially... I was like, okay, so this is the end of the franchise. Like, they're splitting up the toys. (laughs) This is the end. But then when I got into the Mm. office this morning, my coworkers were like, oh, no, they can't end the series on this. Like, they think that in 10 years, they'll come out with a Toy Story 5. It will be somehow (laughs) or another about how everybody gets back together and how, like, Mm. Andy at that point has a kid. And so they all, you know, like... (laughs) are back with Andy. And and once they said <laughs> I that, I was like I 100% can see that movie happening and also really loving that movie just because of how like perfect <laughs> and happy the ending Those is. Those toys are disgusting if they survive a generation. It's like time to let go. Marie Kondo that ish, okay? That's what I'm saying. It's like no one would recycle. Ew. Ew. I don't like it. How would they get reunited? And like That's what you're concerned they... about? How would they get reunited? <laughs> yeah. It's a film. Like, I don't know. <laughs> the carnival comes to town and Woody sees Andy at the carnival and like you know, has to try to find his way back into Buzz. Well, they so get back in another new, pizza this planet is a new truck. Question. This is my new question. So okay. do toys age? Do they 
Do they get old? Are they eternal? (laughs) It's just made me curious. It's like I was like, okay, so do toys have a soul? Like, do they have a spirit or a soul? Are they separate? Are they the same? Do toys have an afterlife? I want this is the spinoff I want. Okay, Okay. I want a story that takes place in a landfill, and it's all the toys who've been thrown away, and they don't know anything about humanity surviving because they're just stuck in this landfill, and they think humanity's been wiped off the earth, and so they're allowed to be like you know on a hundred percent of the time and they have different societies and it's sort of like a mad maxian world where they're just trying to survive and like seek meaning without a kid in their life you know like what is a toy's purpose without a child and in a world where they don't exist and they don't die what do these toys do and what does that society look like and then what would be interesting is if they somehow (laughs) a human showed up and they realized they could trek out of the out of the out of the wilderness of this landfill and find a child and do they want to give up their freedom to find this child this like purpose they've always sought or do they like that they can always be you know on and like active and like they have their own lives and stuff you know that that is an interesting spin-off and i am pitching that now to the universe may it come back to me in 10 years so that movie sounds so dull <laughs> and depressing <laughs> no it doesn't it sounds like like rats of nim or watership down i guess are but those like- books just like known for being <laughs> fun books but I'm saying that's what I'm saying is they can take Toy Story. They have the universe and they can explore different genres of film now, you know, so maybe it's time for like a drama Toy Story. Maybe it's time for a biopic See, about like the first toy ever no. made and like realizing it's sentient. And what does it do? And when did toys decide that they shouldn't show themselves to humans? And like, you know, that's that's what I'm no. left wondering. No. If they're going to no. exist in this world, show more of it. You that, know, let no. me really see it. That is what we, that is the last <laughs> thing that I want. This, no. In the, fact, let's get like an artificial AI movie where it takes what? place in 21,000 years and the toys have finally taken over humanity. Oh my like, gosh. How did that happen? No. You know? You, let's you, get a. Get back the on the rails, Shelby. Yeah. You are like on something or another. The fun thing about Toy Story, the reason why they made it in the first place is this idea of like, what if the toys were alive (laughs) when you didn't see them? And that's, I think, the fun part. If they're going to do a whole nother, if they're going to do a weird like post-apocalyptic thing, I would rather (laughs) they just, I would rather they just like, we're like, okay, we're doing that by itself and not try to tie it into the Toy Story world. (laughs) I feel like if I want a sequel, it's because of the characters. It's not because of like, I want to see different characters in the same world necessarily. Okay. 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 But new pitch. Okay. So zombie apocalypse. Bonnie is one of the last surviving babies. So the the toys have to rise up and save Bonnie from the zombies. And thus she learns that toys are sentient. Do you come up with these ahead of time or are you coming up with these on the fly? No, I'm spitballing these. I need to write a letter to Pixar because these are good ideas. Okay. Okay. What about this? What about this? I'll pitch it. Okay. (laughs) 
so that it's 2045 and the humans have subjugated the toys into building <laughs> more toys and now, see, now you're talking. and the toys well, want to unionize but the humans are putting them down and it's like a union labor revolt but hosted Ooh, that by though? slinky dogs <laughs> See, don't you want to know? Like, okay, so in this movie, they're in a town and they're kind of running around in broad daylight in front of humans. And I was like, at some point, and some, you know, some security camera is going to catch these. And then why don't we follow a child who like realizes the kid, the toys are real, but no one believes them. And so that's what happened in the first one with Sid. Yeah, so it's a follow-up to that, except an adult, I guess, would be the one watching security cameras. And it's sort of like Men in Black, where he becomes insistent that this is a real thing and no one takes him seriously. And then he gets somehow welcomed (laughs) into the toy community. You were the one who said you hated Men in Black International. (laughs) I know, I'm just just coming up with ideas. Not all of them are winners, you know? But there's some in there. Gold. Well, one thing to talk about here. So the movie made $118 million this weekend mm-hmm. domestically, mm-hmm. which is a good haul, especially in comparison to other things that, you know, have come out recently. But it's right. below the amount that they thought the movie would make. And it's also below the amount that Incredibles 2 made last year. Do you think that that is just like a series fatigue thing? Do you think if it had come out in a different time, with if it didn't come out immediately after all of these other like sequels that had crashed and burned if there weren't so many live action Disney rings like what why do you think kept people from going to see this this weekend one I don't think the trailers did a good job TBH I really don't think they yeah. did the, I think they were hiding what the story was really about which was clever in some ways but also didn't work out because no one wanted to go see a feature length film about a fork you know right and this one the fork was actually not very much wasn't a big part of it and, and um, it was funny in the part. It wasn't right. stupid, which I think is what funnier. I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think they mismarketed it. But I also just think people are, they're tired of the same, you know, but they're also tired of news. So who knows what people want? People just aren't going to movies anymore, I guess. Well, they're staying home and they're watching Mystery Party on, on they're Netflix. Watching, That's what yeah, they're, they're doing. Murder Mystery. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that this movie to you feels like it could win the Oscar this year? Granted, we don't know like the other movies that are going to be competing with it. But just like in comparison to movies that have won in the past, do you feel like this has that caliber or don't you think it's strong enough? Well, it's a Pixar. So the only real competition is going to be Frozen 2. And Frozen 2 does look really gorgeous. So it'll be hard. It depends on how dumb Frozen 2's story is because I have doubts about that. But I don't know. I don't know. It's a gamble between the two. Do you think that this was better or worse than the Lego movie too? Oh, I forgot about Lego movie too. Um, I don't know. I just like the animation in this truly was spectacular to watch. And mm-hmm. it was like a fun movie to see. So I guess, I guess, I don't know. I guess Toy Story 4, I liked more. I don't know. I'll have to really examine that question when I'm making my rankings. Man, I forgot. 
Yeah, oh, it's, what it's about interesting because I really did like the Lego movie too. But I also feel like I went into the Lego movie too with lower expectations and I went into Toy Story 4 with higher expectations. So I don't know mm-hmm. how that like shifts in. And then also last year, if you would have asked me at any point prior to early December whether or not I thought some stupid spider-man movie was going to be any good i would have said no and then turns out it was one of my favorite movies of the year and one and was that was that our number one ranked movie last year yeah it was so you know you you, you never can tell i guess i'd love for that yeah (laughs) well so given all that do you recommend people see this in theaters now later or never I would say now. I think this is a movie that people are talking about that is fun to go see with your family, by your, you know, like on a date with friends, whatever. There's like jokes for adults, jokes for kids. It's it's funny. It's emotional. I think there's a lot there. And it's an, an objectively good movie. And I think when you're comparing mm-hmm. it to a lot of the other stuff in theaters that has come out in the past right. couple weeks and will be coming out in the next couple weeks, I'm not sure that there's anything that really like compares if you're going to see something like 4th of July weekend I think that this is a very solid bet yeah I'd agree and if you care about it in any way I guess it's worth it but if you don't you know you can wait too (laughs) yeah I guess that's true but it was it was good to see I think I mean I think I walked out actually really enjoying it and I just kind of I just got more disappointed the more I thought about it just because I I wish they had spent all that energy and money on a new thing. But you know what? They did a good job. So, Well, and you were trying to figure out what what weird, strange, (laughs) philosophical questions they needed to answer. Okay. Well, let's get into the winners and losers, shall we? Yes. The winners and the losers. This was sort of hard for me to come up with winners and losers (laughs) for this movie. Yeah, well. It was tricky. But I did. I did. I came up with them. Okay. Cue, Cue music. Okay. The winner for this week is people watching the credits. <laughs> Damn it. Who is voicing Gabby Gabby? I recognize her, <laughs> but I can't put my finger on it. Psst, honey, do you know who is voicing the creepy doll? Just wait until she talks again and see if you can figure it out. No? Gosh darn it. This is going to bother me the whole movie. Is it Olivia Clark? I think it might be her. No, I don't think it's her. Who is it? This is making me mad. Do you think anyone would mind if I check IMDb on my phone real quick? (laughs) Okay, fine. Well, I I won't. Whatever. I'll just sit here until the credits. Okay, it's finally over. Who was it? Woody, Buzz, Bobby. There are so many people in this movie. Oh, I didn't know Keanu Reeves was in this. Christina Hendricks. I knew it. Didn't I tell you I knew it? I had wondered what she had been doing since Mad Men. God, I loved that show. Such a winner. <laughs> wow, that was good. You should consider some voice work, I think. You know, I, I try. I try. I was like, let me write up this really, monologue. Yeah. It was also based in reality because that's what I spent 75% <laughs> of my energy during the movie doing was like who is voicing this doll i recognize her i'm proud you didn't look it up on your phone that's really good well it was a crowded theater if i if it had been (laughs) less crowded i would have done the like you know kind of like shove their phone down on the side and look yeah Yeah. but (laughs) alas no i couldn't i'm glad you glad you figured that out yes eventually okay the loser for this movie is the rv manufacturer 
Technically, you are correct. There is nothing wrong with the RV you manufactured and rented out to a seemingly innocent single-child family. But that is not going to help you escape months' worth of legal battles, bad press, and costly recalls. A la the 2010 Toyota Accelerator recalls, your RV just went haywire in a children's carnival. The family, the police, and about 300 witnesses just saw a vehicle with your name plastered on the side almost take out a Ferris wheel. There is no getting around that. So sure, run your diagnostic tests, say that nothing is the matter, or even blame it on a pack of sentient plastic dinosaurs. But no one is going to believe you, so get ready to pay big because you are the loser. (laughs) Very true. Those toys were really risking a lot, you know, pretending to be GPS, then running the car, friggin' pressing buttons. They were just asking to be caught. At some point, one of the characters was under the dashboard, like, plugging and unplugging something. And I was like, what is this that they're doing? But I also think that was my favorite scene of the whole movie, was them (laughs) driving the car. Yeah, they tried. And, And it was, you know, less people need to drive RVs. So maybe it was a good... A good lesson for that universe, you know? Yes. Now they won't drive it. Mm-hmm. We're so we'll politically conscious on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. We're basically the Taylor Swift of this of the world, you know, exactly. just bringing yeah. in low-key politics. <laughs> yeah. Um, should we get into our rapid-fire questions? Yes, let's do it. Um, if these characters were actually sentient, who would be nominated for Best Actor or Actress? Oh, that is a good question. Uh, I mean, I feel like Woody is the obvious guess, but I'm going to go with a Christina Hendricks and Best Supporting Actress. What? No, Bo Peep. She carried the film. We didn't talk enough about her. I felt like she had such a unique personality. And when her arm fell off, she She didn't even bat an eye. I I found Bo Peep to be the most boring part of this whole movie. I felt like she was the most dull, least interesting character. Why? Because she's a woman? Mm -hmm. Is that why? (laughs) Yes, that's mostly it. I was like, ugh, girl. This is a quote. Yeah. (laughs) This is going to be our audio teaser for the week. Um, Matt hates women. um, Let the record show. All of them. Every single one. The... (laughs) She felt like it felt to me that, yes, they were pushing this like girl power agenda, which is, you know, great. But what I don't understand is why they were doing this with Bo Peep, a character who wasn't even in the last one, when they have Jesse sitting right there, who is like, clear, <sighs> like, that's no what she's Jesse. Jesse's so Ugh. great. And she's oh, voiced Jesse. by Joan Cusack, who is also so good. like, <laughs> I feel that's. She had nothing to do in this movie, but <laughs> if we wanted this plotline, I don't know why we didn't get like a Jesse plotline and not a weird yeah. Bo Peep turn my dress into a cape plotline. <laughs> Friggin' sick. Friggin' want a dress cape. You know what I'm saying? I almost made dress cape the winner for this week, but then I decided not to. Because <laughs> you hate women. Yes. Okay, well, what's your question? Well, who are you? Gi- oh, so you're giving it to Bo Peep. I'm um, giving it to Bo Peep, yeah. 100%. Do a quick power ranking of the four Toy Story movies. Oh, man. You're asking the wrong person. I guess uh, Toy Story uh, Toy Story 4, Toy Story 1, Toy Story 2, Toy Story 3. So 4 is your favorite? 
<laughs> I guess so. I I really didn't feel attached to any of them. So it's been a long time since I've seen them all. But I remember wild. being very annoyed by Toy Story 3's like purple bear. And I was just like not into it. So that's last. Toy Story 2, everyone loves. So I want to like trust that it's the best one. But all I remember is feeling like I guess it does have that long, that Jesse, I don't know. There's a lot going on with that, like, evil, grumpy old dude. So, I yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do four. And what did I say? Four, one, two, three. (laughs) I feel like nobody else on the planet Earth has that ranking. I know. What's yours? Let me guess. Yours is two, one. No, wait. Yours is two, three, one, four. Mine is... One, three, two, four. You said two was your favorite. No, I didn't. I thought earlier when we were talking about it. Dang it. Maybe I'm confusing you. Maybe I did and I just forgot. But no, I mean, I really like two. Okay. But I okay. think I love the Buzz versus Woody dynamic in number one. Oh, I see. Number okay. three is such a heart wrencher. And that scene yeah. in that furnace is just like... <laughs> So much. And then I also love two. So it's really close between those three. And then four is definitely the last for me. Interesting. (laughs) I really, I already forgot what I said. So don't tear me apart if I got it wrong. I probably did. I'll rewatch them and come back to you maybe. Put that Um, as the pull quote for this episode. You don't even know what these movies are. (laughs) Okay. So what toy have you abandoned to a life of misery and loneliness? Oh, gosh, this is a good question. Um, There was a period in my, uh, I don't know, elementary school days where I had a lot of G.I. Joes. And, (laughs) you know, then I think grew out of them and they were downstairs in our furnace room for a very long time before we eventually gave them to somebody. So that would probably be the answer. Do you have a a hot take? I had an American Girl doll. Um, I guess I don't know if those ones come alive, but let's say they do. I don't know the rules of this universe. Oh, <laughs> I need gosh. a few more movies. Calm down. But I um, I ruined her whole look. You know, she was uh, Kirsten, which is the... Uh, yeah, the like anyways, Swedish you don't one care. or whatever. Yeah. And I unbraided her hair because I liked brushing it. And then one day I just got and I would trade her outfits out for like Molly's and stuff. So she was having a major identity crisis and I just left her in a drawer. I think just one day I just got sick of it. And so now she's probably still I think there. we're going to say it's one day you like sad. cut off her head or something. And you're like, one day I just oh left her gosh. in a drawer. I was like, OK, that was the most <laughs> underwhelming ending to that story I'd ever heard. <laughs> Well, it's sad if you really think about this universe where, you know, you they're just stuck there forever, for eternity, because these toys don't die. They're, they're Did you lock the drawer? I think she could have got out. You think so? I guess maybe. Maybe she does get to breathe a little bit. I mean, if they can drive <laughs> a car, I think they can get out of a drawer. <laughs> but, you know, to each their okay. own. Um, I did okay. I did love the scene in this where they were trying to figure out how to get the keys to the cabinet and then they the lady <laughs> just puts them in the dish yeah. like literally right in front of them. I thought that was funny. Yeah. Um yeah. what is the best ride to ride at a circus? Uh definitely the teacups or the knockoff brand. I love the teacups. I will ride them everywhere I find them. They're amazing. Just any spinny ride like that where you can spin as you spin. Yeah, I was going to say the tilt-a-whirl, which I feel is similar. Oh, it's like the teacup's yeah. cousin. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, last question for me. Would you rather be a lost toy or have a forever kid? Um, I think I would rather have the forever kid. I'm much... Mm. I like the stability and I like having <laughs> friends that I know. I I love traveling, but I'm not like a right. that big of a traveler, you know? Yeah, you're a homebody. Yes. You like having a place <laughs> to yes. call your own. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I would be I would be a lost toy cuz then you don't have to pretend to be dead all the time. Well, you do. It's just not with other people. Well, you find a field and uh, you just you hang can out just in a bush. Be yourself. Yeah. <laughs> One advantage of being a toy is that apparently there's no need for like sustenance at all. So you can sort of just yeah, hang exactly. out wherever and be fine. These toys should take over the universe. Like that is a fact. That is a that is a point. I think that actually might be the point of like is that Santa Claus three or something where. He's making toy robots. Santa Claus 2. Yes. Yes. The robot Santa. Yes. Takes over. Mm -hmm. So that is what would happen in real life if toys could actually walk and talk. Like, why why would they just play dead all the time? Mm -hmm. Why would they feel so attached? These are the questions that I want answered in the Mad Max style spinoff coming to theaters 2029. So I look forward to that. Santa Claus 3 is the one where Martin Short plays Jack Frost. Which is also good, but it's not as good as one or two. Just say. My last question is, which one of these characters would you most like to see in a spinoff with no other characters from this franchise? Oh, that's easy. It would 100% be the uh, Keanu Reeves character. Oh, the... Um, Boom, Duke Kaboom. Duke Kaboom. That's a that is a very interesting choice. Um, I'm going to be super basic and just say Buzz Lightyear, please. Oh, that is basic. He did well, have if a, he had movie. To do a new character. Oh, a new character. I think yeah. I think the uh, Christina Hendricks, the the Gabby oh, Gabby Gabby Gabby. Yeah, I guess she's kind of basic though. You know, her her biggest life dream is to have a kid. Like, come on, you run an antique shop with your little evil <laughs> minions. Like, that's pretty sick. Like, that's a cool life, Gabby Gabby. I think this episode is have. saying more about you than it is about <laughs> anything else. Like, th- somebody take this and get it psychologically evaluated and come back and tell us that Shelby isn't uh, like a psychopath. Gabby Gabby is an agent unto herself in the antique shop. And instead, she wants to just become some baby's toy when they'll just cast her aside in a few years. We all know how this one ends, Gabby. You know what I'm saying? It's called wanting to be loved, Shelby, which is one of the. <laughs> she was loved by her little mannequin. No, that was not a, that. No, <laughs> they couldn't even talk. Yeah. anyways this has gone on way longer than i thought it would but i'm glad toy story 4 fostered such a unique conversation yeah specifically with you who apparently was just in a different if anyone else is wondering about the rules of the toy story universe feel free to drop us an email at ps you're wrong at gmail or leave us a review detailing your own toy story rankings on Apple Podcasts, scroll all the way down, write a review, leave us five stars, and uh, we'll uh, we'll give you a shout out next time. Yeah, and otherwise we'll be back next week. So make sure to subscribe, and we will just pop up in your feed with new episodes. Um, until then, bye everybody. Bye.